Hello and welcome to Connected episode 269. It is made possible by our sponsors, Pingdom, Ahrefs, and Eero. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett, and I am joined by Mike Hurley. Nice. Hey, buddy. Hi. No, I, you ruined the joke. I wasn't about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get it this time. It's my joke. <sighs> hey, guys. That's how it's going to be today, huh? Okay, b- don't you know that's offensive? You can't say that. that out. Just, just, call him, just call him dad. I'm rolling, I'm rolling all of my topical references out in the first five minutes today. I think I'm going to bleep that. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. <laughs> if you do, it's like, what did he say? Yeah. You know? So um, we're still th- waiting for my introduction, Stephen. Oh, That's yes. very rude also, of you. Also, Federico's here. Hey, buddy. Hi, Hi. Thank you. How are you? I, I feel like <laughs> if one of you speaks before I introduce you, I, I don't feel obligated to introduce you because people know you're here, right? Like, but what if people have never heard the show before? Like, That's they're a just good like, point. oh, there's an Italian here as well. I wonder I mean, what they're doing. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I just sounded like a rando on the show. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm recording with the window <laughs> open. Person. Hi, my name's Stephen. The British one is Mike. The Italian one is Yo. Federico. We talk about computers on the show. Welcome. Thank you. There. Everyone is up to speed. We start the show with follow-up. Last week, I asked listeners to chime Which in. is a thing we invented. Yes. It's, it's totally on our own. that we invented. Yeah. And yeah. I had asked listeners to t- uh, tell us about Apple TV Plus on non-Apple TV hardware, because it's available on a bunch of other things. Uh, mm-hmm. Both Jonathan and Leon wrote in to say that they are watching it on uh, Roku TVs, and I think Leon had a Roku uh, streaming stick, and they see it seems to work pretty well. That what's a what's a Roku? It's like a, yeah, <laughs> what's a Roku? it's like a, it's like a little streaming box, right? Yeah, I was. Uh, I heard this, and I have an Amazon Fire TV stick, and uh, oh yeah, how- I tried to get it to work, and kind of gave up. Like I plugged it into the TV, and it didn't work, and it needed power, and I didn't have a cable, so I, I kind of gave up. Because luckily we had some follow up. Because I was listening, you know, I listened to the show when I'm not on it, but uh, luckily our listeners had tried it out for us. It's like. It all depends on what the software is like, kind of just in general on these devices. And like a lot of people say that it's superior on stuff with different remotes, right? Because like you get to use clicky remotes rather than Apple's remote. Right. But they work. Yeah, it seems like it's it's fine. Some people had complained about some like s- scrubbing being a little weird. But I think that's more on the device side than the Apple TV Plus side. I can give you one weird esoteric thing that I came across. Okay. You know when you watch the TV shows on your Apple TV and it has the little uh, startup chime, the Apple logo, Apple TV Plus startup chime right. thing, they're like their network stinger? When you watch these on the web, that it doesn't happen. Hmm. And the reason I know this is I was trying to get the audio. I wanted the sound. Mm. And I was using Audio Hijack, right? So I was like, oh, I'll just record them from Chrome. But it wouldn't play. It, 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 I would like watch it on my Apple TV. It's like, aha, right? The chime is at like ten seconds into this episode. Press right. play. It just wasn't there. So I ended up having to like plug my iPad into my USB pre. It's like a whole thing. But you, for a but, joke that nobody got. But you have you, you have the sound effect now. I have it now. Yeah. Do you want it? Yes, I will play it at some point in the segment. As you were speaking, I was going to the Apple TV website in Safari, and then you said, it doesn't play on the web, and I just closed the tab. So, <laughs> it doesn't work. Teamwork. But I got it for you. I got it for you. 
We spent a lot of time last week uh, with my wife talking about audio and the wide range of Apple and Beats headphones you can buy, and we reviewed our audio predictions. Uh, Even though Mike wasn't here, we felt like it was the right time to do it. And as we'll remember, Mike, you actually won. You were ahead of me and Federico. Mm -hmm. So what's my prize? Well, you got a week off, so. Well, okay. There you go. Retroactively. Do I get another week off? No. I did also want to press and follow up that my wife and I decided to return our AirPods Pro. She's staying with the the, the Power Beats Pro, Power Pro Beats, and uh, I'm with the old AirPods and all as well. And I got my $257 back, which is always nice. Wait, $257? Whatever it was. I don't know. Let me look at my receipt. We have tax. It's like $250. Oh. Oh, oh okay. with tax, okay. $272. Nice. So got that going for me. Mm-hmm. So if anybody wants to borrow two hundred seventy-two dollars, uh, I got your back. <laughs> First person to write in yeah. claims it. Yeah, Apple Cash, baby. It's, <laughs> we'll do like a reverse Kickstarter. You know, like people don't give me money for an idea; people pitch their ideas, and I give them money. What would you call that? Like, no, wait, that is a Kickstarter. It's like capitalism, but it's like an adventure. What could that be called? I don't know. A capitalist adventure. I think that's right. Mike, you are the resident pop socket mm-hmm. enthusiast. Yep. <laughs> Would you call yourself an enthusiast? I am actually an enthusiast okay. of pop sockets. Tell us I have a-, a very nice pop socket at the moment, um, which is an enamel pop socket. And it looks like space. Well, tell us about this new iPhone case that popped up on Apple's website. Um, I saw this in our show notes and... Uh, thought that I had been into some kind of fugue state because it definitely feels like something I would have put in the show notes, yeah. but I didn't. Um, so pop, bo- pop box, oh my, pop socket and otter box, <laughs> two companies make otter separate socket. products. Otter socket. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I don't like that. Uh, they uh, teamed up a few years ago and they make a range of different products, uh, which integrates pop sockets into Autobox cases. Mm-hmm. Um, they have some that are incredibly ugly and rugged, some that are a little more svelte. Uh, but they have a new line that seems to be available only at Apple stores in a bunch of funky colors. They have like a pink, an orange, a black, which is not funky, and then a blue, which is definitely purple. It's like a pretty nice looking case that integrates a pop socket into it. Um, I've been eyeing this case a little bit because uh, I think the colors are cool. Now, all of these cases that Autobox and PopSocket make together seem to suggest, oh, wireless charging might work, but you might have to remove the PopSocket, which is kind of kind of pointless. But these are now a product that Apple is selling directly. Uh, I think it's a pretty cool combo. I'm still a big fan of uh, my PopSocket. And so this could be another option for you, especially an option for friend of the show, Alex Cox, because I know that they love purple cases, and this is very clearly a purple case, not a blue case. And they love pop sockets as much as I do. So, Alex, if you're out there, uh, I think this could be a product for you. Alex also loves orange, even though the orange is definitely not orange. None of these colors, pink, orange, purple, are blue, then none of them are correct. All these are wrong. They're all wrong. You've got, like, salmon is orange. I guess the pink is kind of like a lilac color. It's not really that yes. pink. And then it's the up. blue is purple. This is nonsense. 
It's like what are they saying? I'm, I'm, I'm clicking to change the colors, and it's like, what am I looking at? It's like a complete <laughs> crapshoot. Like it could be anything. Is this like a Rorschach test of some description? Like you yes. see whatever what you color see you want to see. This is this is nightmarish. I also have a. a uh, a question about this. So in the show notes is the search result page because there's three different cases in this lineup. Uh-huh. And underneath the results, there's two buttons. There's search iTunes, just with the mm-hmm. old iTunes logo. Everyone knows that. And if you click it on Catalina, it opens the music app. And then there is search <laughs> trailers, which goes to the Apple trailer website, which I have forgotten existed. And if you load it, we'll put a link directly to it in our show notes. It looks like Apple's forgotten that it exists too because oh my it, God. it is in like the old like iTunes eight or nine. Oh my! UI. Like, remember when iTunes looked like this with like dark gray love, and graphite color and stuff? I love the logo. It's got kind of a shine on it. Yeah, you know at the very top. Mm-hmm. But the but the trailers are actually new. Yeah, like the trailers are up to date. Because I guess these are being used in the iTunes movie or just the Apple movies store or whatever it's called now, right? The iTunes movie trailers app, it, it's still around the iOS app and it got updated. Yeah. Two years ago. Oh, uh, well. Also a bunch of these images are not retina. And if you scroll to the bottom comment, suggestion, or have a film trailer, question mark, email trailers at Mac.com. Wow. Should we send an email? Should we send an email? Here's the thing. They are still working on this because there is an Apple TV Plus banner on the top right-hand corner. Somebody updated that. Somebody put that in there. <laughs> Somebody just put it there. Someone put that um, there. Steven, I, have, I know that this is not adapt, but I have a challenge for you, Steven, for next week. <laughs> so I want you <laughs> to find, now that I see this page, I want you to find the most hidden or old page that you can find on apple.com. <laughs> so in the style of this forgotten iTunes movie trailer website, I want you to find something else that is just as hidden or not looked after anymore, like this. And it has to be somewhat funny. Okay. I thought that you were going to suggest that he sends an email to whoever runs trailers at Mac.com. Oh, I am. I have an email draft right now. Found your webpage today. It's super cool. Love it. Love, Stephen. <laughs> Do you want to hear the I email? I love your web. You should just say, yes. I love your webpage. <laughs> what about this? Uh, I just came across this page, and it brought me real joy in remembering watching trailers in quick time back when I was in school. Oh, man. It's actually, it's actually pretty sweet. Lots of love. <laughs> That is true. I remember that. Oh my! Oh damn! Stay strong. We believe in you. Send a send. Attach a photo. Attach a photo of you in middle school, though. Like you gotta send. Oh, it. I have a picture of me in college posing with my power book. I should send you should, that. You should send that. Yes. <laughs> Somebody's gonna. You know that single person who's in charge of that email address is gonna send that to Tim Cook or Eddie Q. Maybe Eddie Q is gonna see it. You know. What if I wrote it as if I uh, <laughs> maybe that write it to Eddie directly. Hey Eddie. <laughs> I'm sure you're in charge of this. <laughs> just just get them across your webpage. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I have two follow-up items that I would like to pose to the group, if that's okay. 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 Uh, as the resident TVOS expert, um, TVOS 13.3 uh, adds an interesting feature. It has a setting to... I say interesting. <laughs> it adds a feature. It includes a setting to revert the top shelf UI. So, you know, like when... 
you get the big what is currently now uh auto playing trailers Ugh. for stuff if you if you are on the the right uh you can now revert this UI to the previous non auto playing video state that was in TVOS yes. 12 this is going to be a setting I, in 13.3 yep. So what is currently happening is uh, there's two things going on with the with the, 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 the top shelf UI. Well, it's three things. The third thing is uh, no developers are using it the way that Apple is because nobody can be bothered, like a lot of tvOS development. Just nobody can be bothered to do what Apple would like them to do, like the single sign-on thing. Not the single sign-on, like the account thing where you can tie, like Netflix could tie their account system to the uh, new user system on tvOS mm. but nobody's bothering to take advantage of any of these APIs but it is possible for people to show their own or to play videos but they're just no one's bothering to do it um, this is Apple showing you what they think you should watch they're making suggestions to you in this and it's very frustrating for most people uh, it will now revert back to if you change the setting to what is in your up next queue so it's showing what you're actually choosing to watch but it won't be auto playing videos. It will just be those static tiles again. So, I just I just changed this setting last night because I have the beta on my Apple TV. Mm-hmm. Um, very happy that it's back. I I yep. never understood the watch now thing. I have no problem with the what to watch thing in general. I just don't want the video. Mm-hmm. And I know you can actually turn off the video by uh, going into accessibility and reducing motion. But that makes other changes that I don't want to make. TVOS guy. See, I know all these hacks. <laughs> <laughs> TVOSHacks.net. That's my next website. Uh, and uh, Motorola, they're going to be showing off their foldable Razor phone today. It hasn't happened yet. I only mention it because if it happens and you before the episode comes out, people will be surprised that I didn't talk about it. But it's just because it hasn't happened as the time we're recording. Maybe I'll talk about hey, it. Hey, how time. is your Galaxy Fold? It's cool. I I just tinker around with it. I've been away a bunch, so I haven't been able to play around with it as much. But like, it's not broken. If that's what you're asking, it's it's still going. Uh, and I like just like playing with it. They've they actually I've had some software updates, which is nice. Um, and that's all I have to say on that matter right now. My tiny topic this week is to uh, pour one out for my short love affair with the the new reminders app. I've really. Mm. wanted to move into it. It seems like Reminders had its notes moment this year, but I wrote this blog post really kind of outlining why it doesn't work for me. And actually, before it was a blog post, it was in the Club Mac Stories newsletter, and Federico was very kind to let me repost it. So thank you. And it's just mm. it just doesn't work for me for a bunch of reasons. The way it sorts like doesn't make any sense to me. You can't sort a list on iOS. You can only sort it on the Mac. And if you sort by due date, Items with no due date appear at the top of the list instead of the bottom, which makes no sense to me. Uh, the UI can get pretty junky if you add a bunch of attachments to things because reminders are supposed to show you everything all the time. And so, like, if you have a list and you have, you know, a bunch of tasks, and then you have one task with a note and a geolocation and a messages reminder and a website, like, it all just gets added to that, and it kind of junks up your list view pretty bad. Um, but Maybe for, for most people, those two things aren't a big deal. But I think for a lot of people who are using something like Todoist or other programs that make uh, adding metadata really quick, Reminders just doesn't do that. It uses the quick type bar for some things, but very often you have to 
go into the uh, the little information panel to change things about a task where something like to do is is kind of like a command line where you can just type your task name and enter the list name and any repeating stuff and the due date, the flag, all just as text. And reminders want you to pause, go to quick type or hit one of the little buttons or go into the info panel. And I just found it to be a lot slower than I was hoping. I really hope reminders can evolve into something that I could use because I like the idea of having my task lists have all the cool like first party integrations that reminders has. It's like the the thing of like remind me to ask this person and you attach it to their iMessage is awesome. Like when I text John, remind me to ask about the trip. And next time I texting with John, reminder says, Hey, remember this? That's really cool and nothing else can do that. And so I'm still using reminders like I did under iOS 12 and before. I'm using it for some things, mostly geolocation things, like one-off stuff. Like uh, the other day, someone had dropped something off at the house and put it in the mailbox. And I needed to make sure I got it out of the mailbox when I got home. And so I just told my phone, when I get home, remind me to you know check the mailbox. And that's just like a one-off thing, but the geolocation was the perfect way to solve it. And so I'm still using reminders for those sorts of things, but I just can't move to it full time. And it makes me sad because I think it's a really good app. I think they have a lot of really cool stuff going on in it, but those three things are just like the perfect combination to, to knock it out of contention for me. I have been really wanting to try reminders, but Todoist keeps doing stuff. And mm. I they had an update recently called the Foundation Update, and it's like part of like a big overhaul that they're doing. And I really, really like the stuff they've added. Like it's a lot of UI changes, really, um, and like surfacing things that were previously pretty hidden, like the subtask menu and stuff like that. Um, but I'm very happy with the changes that they're making, and that's making it harder for me to really get up and move over to reminders uh it's because it's a big thing to to move task manager and to do is is like it's got its claws in me right now because they're making they're making some interesting moves i think i'm still using reminders very happily i agree with some of steven's comments i disagree when uh, in the article he mentioned that he doesn't like how uh, all kinds of attachments and like options for a single reminder show up in the main list so like if you have a link if you have a location i like that kind of stuff that it's shown in the in the main list view um the the thing with reminders is that right now it doesn't have all the options that i would like to have like sorting or um saved searches you know that kind of stuff and for the past several months, really, uh, I've just I've just been making my own with shortcuts, and I know that it's not ideal. Like I shouldn't have to create a shortcut to you know mm-hmm. sort tasks within a project by due date, but at least it works, and I can still use reminders. And uh, I mean, we're gonna talk about some of the other reminders shortcuts that I've made later in the show, but. Um, it works pretty well for me, uh, honestly. Like, I don't think I I have the same needs as you or Steven. Like, I mostly just spend. I, I do organize my tasks in in lists, but I mostly spend my time in the today and scheduled yep, views. Me too. 
like I rarely go down into an individual project. Um, so I don't know. It's fun for me. I will. I would like it to be better. I hope that we don't have to wait until June for you know, like to have sorting on iOS or um, just even the ability to attach a document. If you want to attach a PDF to reminders for now, you can't. You can only attach a JPEG, which is silly because in Calendar, for example, you can now attach any document. Uh, you can just pick from the file speaker. But in Reminders, you can only attach photos, which doesn't really make any sense. Hmm. So here is my other, the, the other thing that, like, you know, listening to you talk about that and me talking about, like, the Todoist Foundations thing. The concern I have with maybe now that I've spent more time thinking about it, of really going all in on Reminders, is if there is something that is frustrating me, it's going to be a long time until they maybe potentially mm-hmm. change it. And again, all apps and services can have problems. Stephen has had the same problems with task managers forever. Nobody, no matter how much they promise, seem to want to change the things that annoy him, right? Things won't change their problem. To do this won't change their problem. But if a fix is going to happen, I maybe don't have to wait a year for it. And I think that for me, that is becoming a little too too much of a sticking point in the same reason that I don't use Apple's mail app, right? For Mm. a lot of the same reasons that like some of the decisions that Apple makes with those apps are counter to what I would want to do. And I have no ability to really convince them. And even if I could, I'd be waiting a long time for them to make any change. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I haven't made, I haven't made, fully made my mind up yet because there's st- I've been like tinkering of reminders and there's stuff that I do actually really like about it. But I'm just n- I'm more hesitant than I was before about moving my entire to do system to it. That's such an interesting point about so much of Apple software is that it is lockstep with iOS releases, and we've we've talked about that before. But I really feel like 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 Apple's got to where possible, sort of un- unchain those things. Like, there's no reason that we should have to wait a year for, like you said, Federico, simple attachment changes. Like, just do it in a point update. And I'm hopeful that they are moving that way because you do see things come to some apps off cycle. But the big changes they want to store up for those big marketing re- releases and I just don't think that's the right way to go for for all components of the system, right? Like I, I get that for for big things, but reminders is it's an important app, just like Notes is an important app, but it's also in a really competitive landscape. And if they want to really take a swing at market share, they've got to treat it more like a standalone product and less like a feature of a larger OS. Yep. All right. Uh, lastly, before uh, our first break. Has Google Docs been updated to include multi-window support? No. No. Uh, <laughs> this is because this is feeling more and more desperate every week now. Uh, but I did want to add on your discussion from last time about multi-window support in general. Uh, I mostly agree with the two of you, right? Like, it's not groundbreaking, but it is really useful to have in certain circumstances. Like, over the last couple of weeks, I've been needing to have multiple pages documents open at the same time. And, like, before, I would have my iPhone and my iPad as a way to do that. But I don't need to do that anymore, which is really good. And I'm happy to have that. I still want to see more. I want to see more apps adopt it. I, I want, still want dedicated fixed spaces, so I can just choose two windows, pin them together, and they stay together forever. Um, but as a 
step one, this is still pretty good. It's useful when I need it, but I'm not like doing all of my work in a million windows all over iOS. And that's good because that would be a terrible mess. Yeah, it gets out of hand pretty quickly, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. We have the new 16-inch MacBook Pro. We have uh, a leak about Apple's AR glasses initiative, and the Federico is going to talk about Toolbox Pro, a really fascinating new iOS app that extends shortcuts. Uh, but before th that stuff, let me tell you about our first sponsor. That is Pingdom. The holiday shopping season, Black Friday, something called Boxing Day, that can't be a real thing, but... Here it is in my document. Uh, they're all just around the corner. You know, everyone looks for good deals. Part of me kind of wants to shop for a 4K TV this year. And, you know, when you're online, when you're shopping, there's little worse than a shopping cart fail. Or you, you're on a website and it's suddenly unavailable or really slow. Well, Pingdom is a service that lets developers, owners of websites, know the moment their website goes down in whatever way is best for them. It uses transaction monitoring to alert you with cart checkouts, forms, login pages, all that stuff. If that fails, you're going to know it before they affect your customers and your business, before that frustration sets in. You can customize how you're alerted and who is alerted depending on the severity of the outage. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code CONNECTED at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and Relay FM. The long international nightmare is over. We have a new MacBook Pro keyboard. Feels good to say that, doesn't it, right? Well, it's a new MacBook Pro with a it new keyboard. It is a new MacBook Pro out of the two MacBook Pro sizes, and three complete notebooks, yes. and it has a revised keyboard. So, Right, because we've had new MacBook Pro keyboards a few times, and that has not helped anything. Every yeah. every six months. For every six months for the last 22 years, there's been a new MacBook Pro keyboard. <laughs> but Apple, so let's get into this. So today, after months of rumors, they released the 16-inch MacBook Pro. It replaces outright the 15.4-inch model. So this is not a new, like we talked about, a new high-end model. This this replaces the 15-inch. If you want a MacBook Pro, your options are 13.3 and 16-inch displays. Uh, as we talked about, the keyboard is new. We're going to come back to that in a second because I think that's the biggest deal here. They took the opportunity to make the machine a little bit uh, bigger, not only because of the screen, but they also went a little bit thicker adding a new thermal system. Uh, the uh, the GIF of it made me re reminded me of the iMac Pro website where they talk about all the, the air that it can move around. Apple says this will provide uh, for uh, additional capacity. So the CPU and GPU can run hotter longer, an additional 12 watts uh, TDP in the, in the chassis now. The only GPUs are these new AMD mobile GPUs that look, that look uh, really good, actually. And they are, uh, they're going to be warm, and so Apple's giving themselves more headroom in this design, which is really good. There's also crazy new speaker magic, which I'm not sure I fully understand. Mike, I'm hoping you can explain the speaker thing to me, because I read it a couple of times. Like, mm. I'm not sure actually <laughs> grokking what they're doing. Uh, new microphones. Um, please don't podcast with just a laptop, but if you do accidentally, it'll sound better. So a big deal, and I think what's really interesting about this machine is that 
it is the MacBook Pro we've known for the last three years, right? The I.O. is the same. The design is effectively the same, right? The industrial design, the character of the machine hasn't changed. But they've gone in and updated and changed things that were really uh, really sticking points with a lot of users. And yes, there are people who would want an SD card slot. There are people who still want MagSafe back. I think it's clear that Apple believe, still believes in the general future of the MacBook Pro as they laid out in 2016, where this is a, a course correction to fix some things on these models that were problematic. But I, I still think that what they said is this is the, the MacBook Pro now. That really hasn't changed. It's really a very similar machine to, to my mid-2019. So I have the last 15.4-inch MacBook Pro. It is my, my laptop. And this and a 16 side-by-side, they're very clearly cut from the same cloth. But this one, they've gone in and really, uh, really changed some things. So, so Mike, you have uh, an episode of Upgrade Up with Jason. Jason has a review unit. He was at the, the press stuff. He's talked a lot about it. You had a really great interview on Upgrade that I, I want to hear about. Yep. Um, so tell us about Upgrade a little bit, and then let's uh, get into the keyboard. Yeah, so uh, Jason was at the press briefings in New York, and he had the ability to spend an entire day, like a 24-hour period, with the MacBook Pro, the new 16-inch MacBook Pro. And we have a long conversation about it uh, where we dig into it and kind of go through all the ins and outs. And the episode also uh, has an exclusive interview with the MacBook Pro product manager, Shruti Hadir. And uh, she's incredible. You should listen to it to hear that. It's kind of sounds... The the interview is really interesting because it kind of sounds like a presentation, right? Like it sounds like some it points like this is how this product would have been presented if it was presented. But the great part is because Jason's there, Jason can ask more questions, which he usually can't do during an Apple presentation. Uh, so it's a really great interview and it, it unearths a lot of the thinking that went on kind of behind the scenes, I think, as to why Apple are making the changes that they're making. Because, I mean, we're going to talk about this. There are some changes that everybody wanted and then there are some changes that they made which make sense for their customers but maybe we didn't necessarily think about them before and a lot of them are actually around audio which is really interesting so you wanted me to explain the speakers i can't do an incredible job of this but i can tell you kind of the basics it's a brand new system has six speakers in the system now which are kind of split apart in such a way that they're trying to do room filling stereo sound they apple are talking about the idea that you could kind of move around the laptop and hear the audio differently you know like it reminds me of the home pod but obviously it's not as good as the home pod right like the way they talk about it at least with the room filling sound but then there's a really interesting thing where they have these things called dual they have dual force cancelling woofers so what's happening is there's like these two woofers that i believe are facing towards each other and they're doing this like i can't i definitely can't explain this well enough they're analyzing the sound to cancel each other out to reduce vibration. Hmm. So you don't get that, like you don't get like a weird distorted vibrating sound. Um, So basically what they're doing is they're just trying to make a system inside of a laptop that can sound as good as it can sound. So that's pretty cool. And then they're also really talking up this three uh, microphone array that they've got. They're doing uh, beamforming, right? So they can try and just focus in on the voice. And Apple are literally saying... These are good enough for podcasting. No. There's a million caveats to that. Um, it's better. Here's the thing. If you podcast on an open laptop, it will sound better than the old one, but your audio is still going to be bad. And 
what's even worse is if you're not using headphones, the other person's audio is going to be in yours. And that is uh, an atrocious thing to do to a podcast yeah. editor. It is like emergencies only and or not podcasts. So there's that like music production. It makes way more sense there if you want to get like a rough scratch or something. Or if you want to do a conference call or something like that. I, I yep. It's the same thing, right? Like Apple, when they... It was one of the iPad Pro events. They're like they had some sort of announcement about microphone support or USB. And they're like, yeah, now you can use your iPad for podcasting. It's like, no, you can't. Like, I mean, you can if you want to do a bunch of crazy stuff. But like, they did- a million caveats to how you could use yeah. it. Like, they they like know. using podcasting because it's like a cool thing mm-hmm. that cool people do, like us mm-hmm. clearly. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. this is not like a go buy a microphone. Like, yeah. if someone emailed me. Wanted to start a podcast, like, I have a new 16-inch MacBook Pro. I'm like, cool, here's an Amazon page of some microphones. Go pick one. Yeah, because you just spent a lot of money. I mean, it's like, look, in very specific circumstances, you can make those microphones sound really good. But those circumstances are very specific, right? And so, like, on Upgrade, we actually switched the audio. Yeah, it's like the section of the show where we switched the audio from uh, Jason's microphone that you had with him to the laptop mic so you can hear it. I would say you could probably tell me, oh, I'm using a a crappy USB mic and I will believe you. But that's about as good as you're going to get. And this is nothing on Apple's technology. It's just because a dedicated microphone is very different to a laptop microphone. Right, like a dedicated microphone, you speak directly into it. A laptop mm-hmm. microphone, you're just kind of speaking at the computer. Yeah. So and, it can never do as good a job. And a regular microphone is not directly attached to a keyboard. <laughs> yeah. So it's not going to get all the tapping, all the vibration. Uh, but like, and it's not going to hear the fans, probably, if you know, at least they're less likely to hear the fans. This is a much better microphone for the majority of uses that any regular computer user would have for a microphone. You are going to sound vastly better on any phone calls or conference calls or video calls that you take on this computer. And that is like a better thing. I mean, this is kind of my feeling about this MacBook Pro in general. Um, And I think Apple have been building to this for a few years and they're doing it again here in different ways. They are shoving in features that are meant to be angled at like specific use cases so like this is really good for this person doing this with video this is really good for the person doing this for audio and it's probably not amazing for those people will be good in a pinch but those features can actually be used by regular users more easily right so like this is one of them it's like oh great i can use this and it's it's better for me when i take those conference calls but i don't think that really yeah any podcast is going to switch. It's a PR this. line. It's not a yeah. serious thing. So that, that that makes sense. And that that is cool. Like Apple has been really harping on better audio in their products for a long time. Like that was a big deal with the 2015, the first 12-inch MacBook. Like I've got one of those. It sounds incredible, especially considering the size. Then, of course, you have HomePod and everything else. Like they have really upped their game in sort of the speaker department mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the last few years. And and it's cool the laptops get it because a lot of people just, you know, edit on a laptop, right? Or or just even you're just watching it, you're using it as your TV or something like that. So yeah. it's it's an important aspect of a product that I'm glad has gotten some attention this time and around. And especially in a machine that's this size, because they've made it bigger, uh, you have the space to do this. You have the space to put the speaker grills mm-hmm. in. You don't have to hide them under the keyboard, right? Like... Make it good because it's a big machine. It's a big machine. It's bigger in every way and heavier, which is super interesting. Um, But that's what they decided to do. So do we want to get into the keyboard? I think you should. 
Okay, so this is a radical departure from the butterfly keyboard that, again, showed up on that first MacBook, actually, and then spread to the MacBook Pro line and then the MacBook Air last year. And we we don't have to rehash this history today, but it has been extremely unreliable, broken keys, broken switches, double presses, all of that sort of one category of problem. And then the second category is a lot of people just didn't like the keyboard, right? There was no physical escape key, the arrow keys you could not tell uh, apart by touch, and the travel was really low. So you sort of have like personal tastes problems, and then you had my keyboard is broken type problems. And I think Apple has tried to address both at once. So they are calling this the magic keyboard. If you listen to that upgrade interview, it's clear this is not a copy and paste of the external magic keyboard that a lot of us, including me, use every day. No, But it is inspired by the magic keyboard. So it does use scissor switches. Yep. It does have a rubber dome underneath, not steel like the butterfly keyboard did. And it, it seems like it is effectively the magic keyboard underneath, but they've done some things to add to the key stability. That was a big reason they went to butterfly. They says that the keys were more stable, that if you, if you hit the corner of a key, it didn't sort of bow and bend under your finger. And so they've done some things to help, help the stabilization, which uh, the scissor key mechanism is sort of inherently unstable the way that it actually compresses. So they've they've held on to the idea that these keys should be stable, but they've totally redone what's under them to make them more robust. And they've also addressed a lot of the personal taste issues. So the touch bar is now smaller with the physical escape key on the end. It has the uh, the inverted T arrows, which the Magic Keyboard, by the way, doesn't. The Magic Keyboard, I have one right here in front of my iMac Pro, uh, it has the full height left and right arrow key, so you can't really tell where you are by feel. Yeah, I think it's very clear that one of, one of the main reasons they are using the Magic Keyboard name here is to confirm to people in branding that it is not the Butterfly Keyboard. Like, they right. are piggybacking on the popularity of the other keyboard to sell the new keyboard, which is a fine thing to do because it is closer to that, but, like, it's not the exact same keyboard in a bunch of important ways yeah i think the magic keyboard is pretty well liked i mean i'm really happy with it and i think a lot of people are i do sort of wonder like if this key i mean god forbid this keyboard have problems like is that the use of that name gonna backfire on them but i get the sense that they're pretty confident that this thing is going to be okay yeah, well, it's, it's probably going to go back to within the realm of reliability of the previous laptop keyboards because it's way yeah. closer to those, right? Then they right. know they can make those. You know what needs to yeah, be yeah. done. Yeah, so I, I think if you have if you've been uh, like me, have had issues with the old keyboard. I, my 2016 MacBook Pro, the key fell off, and uh, you know I had to argue with the Apple Store because it was before the repair program. It was a nightmare. My 2019, which is my my current MacBook Pro with the revised materials and they have the little silicon gaskets and everything. It's actually been pretty reliable. I don't use it every day, so maybe that helps. But I don't like the feel of the keyboard. I don't like the low travel. And so the new one seems like an upgrade either way, you know. Unless you're one of those people, and I, I, I'm convinced those people are out there who really love the way the butterfly keyboard feels, who really like it. You're going to be disappointed by this because this is a reversion to the older design. But I think that that group is probably a pretty small minority. It could have some overlap, though, because like they've done stuff to like make the keys more stable and the keys are large. So you might still get a lot of the things that you liked about the butterfly keyboard in the new one. 
but without being the clicky clackiness. But who knows? Sure. You know, different strokes, different folks. Yeah, and, and this is a thing that even amongst the old MacBook Pros, because I had a 2016 and 2017, and now the 2019, they're all radically different. And mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't, I dislike the 2019 the least. The 2016 was the worst. Like they have yeah. improved it and changed it, and this is going to be a big departure. But it's it's interesting because it's really hard to remember a time where Apple has gone back on something that they pushed so hard when it was launched. Mm-hmm. Apple does change its mind, and things do change over time. But this is um, really interesting to me, and, well, and you can also see it, that they they didn't create a new thing. They're actually telling you it's a thing that already exists, mm-hmm. right? Like like the, it's the magic keyboard, right? They didn't come yeah. up with like scissor slide keyboard x right like they just they are going back to a keyboard that was introduced in 2015 to draw their inspiration for the new keyboard and in the interview it's spoken that you know they did a lot of internal testing at apple and these keyboards you know and the what people want and the reliability and all that stuff so like, i believe they've taken this really seriously because I, I think they knew that they had a real problem on their hands i think them talking about how long all that testing took and everything is sort of a like yeah we know this took a while but it's going to be worth it type of feel so i i hope that that it is as good as we think it is because mm-hmm. I, I have pretty high expectations of this keyboard and i think a lot of people probably do in like 15 or 20 years time there's going to be somebody like you um who's starting a whatever YouTube channel is, you know, whatever YouTube is in 15 years, right? Like whatever that thing is. And they're going to try and collect all of the laptops with the different keyboard mm-hmm. iterations, you know? It's just going to, yeah, it, that's, that'll be me. So I have two, I have the 2015 MacBook and I have the 2019 MacBook Pro. So for now, I'm all set. Uh, I have breaking news. Okay. I have an email back. From trailers at Mac.com. Are you being serious? I, I will put... I will. Are put, you being serious yes. right now? I'm going to put a screenshot. What? And I'm going to obscure my email address because I use my personal email address. This is on very active watch then. But I am putting a... Uh, I can't believe that this is happening to us right now. Who cares about the rest of this these products? Oh my God. So I wrote... Uh, I told you what I wrote. That it brought me real joy remembering QuickTime. And I got an emoticon smiley face back. So it is 100% Eddie Q. That's totally Eddie. That's totally Eddie. This is the best thing. That is quite possibly the best response that could have been given. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where is this? I, I, where, I'm, where hang on. I'm, are you I'm sharing obscuring my email, shot? so I just have to up- upload it once. I don't <sighs> want to share my, my personal email with the world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I have two work emails. If you want to email me, it's stephen.really.fm. I'm not giving you my personal Gmail account. Oh, now we know it's Gmail. Ooh, I can guess wonderful. that. Is it steven at Gmail? Mm. <laughs> All right. I'm putting this in the chat room. <laughs> Oldmacfan at gmail.com. Reset the PRAM at gmail.com. Oh my god, they didn't even send an emoji. <laughs> that shows said, how said, old said, this said, person is. I said emoticon, yeah. Oh, that's the best, right? Because oh my god. they are living in the past, this person, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, this is totally oh, on brand. Wow. This is so Eddie. Really good, right? This is excellent. It's got, it, it, and it's one, of, it's one of those emoticons with the nose. So you know, like the uh-huh. moon business. <laughs> 
I also have some other breaking news or some real-time follow-up. Apparently, the extended keyboard with the number pad, which I don't use because it's dumb, uh, has inverted T keys, but the compact one does not. So I just wanted to correct that before mm. people send me a bunch of pictures of, of keyboards. Nobody uses the numpad one, though, right? Isn't that we didn't we could decide that previously? Yeah, no, yeah, no one uses it. So, uh, so yeah, that's that is the uh, that's sort of the gist of the MacBook Pro keyboard. They've gone to the well of the Magic Keyboard and drawn up fresh water of of typing pleasure, and and here we are. Mm-hmm. I was like three sentences into that and didn't know what to do. Uh, but what do y'all think about the um, the cadence of the spec bumps on the MacBook Pro? So like looking over the last couple of years, because these got a spec bump. It wasn't just a new keyboard. Like they are slightly faster CPUs, a much better GPU, and better, faster RAM and SSDs. But we had uh, 2016, which was the fall. And then we had uh, 2017 in the summer. That was at WWDC. And then 2018 uh, was July, so a little after WWDC. And then we get to 2019, and like my machine came out in May. And here we are in November, and again, it is it is spec bumped. I like this cadence because Apple just ignored the Mac for so long. And the MacBook Pro is, it's got to be the most used Mac by, at least by people who care about specs. Like the MacBook Air has gotten one update. The Mac Mini hasn't. But the MacBook Pro, they seem to really, at least the 15-inch, they seem to really be, you know, with their foot on the gas. Do you guys think this is something that they can continue? Do you think it's a good thing they're, they're doing it? Do you think people are frustrated if they bought a computer in July, then it was updated mm-hmm. in, in May? Like, how do you feel about it? Frustration thing is always going to be a problem. Like, especially like on these types of products, like iPhones, iPads, you can pretty much guess when they're going to come out. But it seems like a lot of the Mac Book Pro stuff has just kind of appeared, you know, whenever it's appeared. I think I would be surprised if it maintained the pace that it's been at, because it really feels like Apple's just been trying to undo the problems and has been like inching, 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 you know, like... All right, so we put better chips in them, and we made them more powerful. Uh, now we've like fixed the keyboard a little bit, and now we've fixed the keyboard a little bit more. We promised the keyboard's fixed this time, uh, but I I don't know if we're gonna see like another revision in four or five months time. Uh, if they've got it right, we'll wait a year now. I mean, if the updates continue to be small, like they could just keep increasing core count, and I don't know, I don't keep up with Intel's roadmap anymore because that's a a game of frustration, but I think they're. It seems like they're committed to when something is available, they'll do it. And I if think it's that would six be months nice. or, or nine months, it, it, I mean. But this is such a big jump. Like the power is such a big jump. They've like so they the chips and the graphics cards are two times more powerful than what they've replaced. You can now put sixty four gigabytes of RAM and eight terabytes of SSD storage in these things. Mm-hmm. They don't need to touch this for a while. It's gonna be fine. Yeah. They made big jumps. Uh, w- would you accept I don't have any opinions as an answer? Uh, I, I know you're, you're okay. over there having then a I cup of coffee while we talk any. about the MacBook Pro. No, I'm, just, I'm just listening to you guys. It's interesting. I just, I, I, it's not that I don't care. Make no mistake. It's not that I don't care. It's, that I, it's like when I, when I listen to politics on the, on the news. Like, I don't have an opinion. Like, I... I trust what you what you're saying. Yeah. 
So, uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's the MacBook Pro. Uh, I do have questions um, about what they could do in the future. The 13 inch is still hanging out there. What I would like to see is a 14 inch MacBook Pro. That's a size they used to ship, like in the PowerBook G3 days. 14 inch is a pretty sweet laptop size because it's it's still it would still be more portable than this thing, which, like you said, is a little bit bigger than the 15. Uh, but you get nice screen size and, and it would if it, if they really did 14 they go from 13.3 up to 14 and this on the 15 they went 15.4 to 16 so if they do it to a round number it'd be even a little bit bigger increase so i would be uh excited about a 14 inch macbook pro i have a concern about a 14 inch macbook pro so um one of my most important things for a laptop is portability maybe the it won't be that. If it's close to the, the change between the 15 and 16, the thing's only like, it's not that much bigger. Right, but I want the lightest computer I can possibly have. Well, well then you need a MacBook Air. <laughs> like, the, And this is what I'm going to say. So I will, you know, I was thinking that like I would update my MacBook Pro at some point, but I want to wait for the keyboards to roll around. And so I want to wait and see now, I think, if the MacBook Air gets the new keyboard. And then that's yeah. the machine that I would want. Mm-hmm. Right. I th- well, I think doing that, while it may frustrate people who want the most powerful computer to also be the small, like the smallest possible size, I think it kind of makes sense for Apple to have the MacBook Air stay at 13 inches. Yep. Be smaller and lighter because right now the 13 inch MacBook sense. Pro and it the actually Air makes sense for them yeah. to make the MacBook Pro the smaller one bigger and heavier mm-hmm. because then it pushes that the, the air further apart again. Yep, because they are very similar right now, side by side. I also just wonder what they're doing because the 13 and 16 inch have different pages on Apple's website, and that's never been done before. Well, they're vastly different computers now, right? Well, it, it may just be because uh, they got to talk about the keyboard, and that's awkward if the 13 mm-hmm. inch is just sitting there, right? Like separated a little bit. I think some people, I saw some people on Twitter say, say they were worried about the future of the 13 inch MacBook Pro. I'm not. We 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 did this like five or six years ago. And a lot of people thought the 13-inch MacBook Pro was going away, and it turns out like then Apple was like, actually, it's the most popular Mac ever, so here's a Retina version. I feel like the 13-inch MacBook Pro is very popular, and I think making it a 14, uh, applying this new thermal system to it, doing these things would make it uh, even more popular. So I, I, uh, I'd like to see what that does. Like you said, the pricing on the SSD and the RAM that is uh, higher than ever, like the capacities are higher than ever, 8 terabytes SSD, 64 gigabytes of RAM. Apple has continued to march down the pricing of SSDs. Mm. Um, the 8 terabyte is uh, $2,200 $2, in the U.S. And uh, this summer, it would have been $2,800 for a 4 terabyte in the 15-inch. So they continue to bring pricing down, make it more aggressive. And the stock models have doubled their their SSD storage. So it used to be 256 and 512. Now it's 512 and one terabyte in the two stock configurations. And I think that's a, a welcome change. Yeah, I uh, when you max one of these out, it doesn't go as expensive as I thought it would have. Yeah. You can max it out at like six grand, which is very expensive. But I I would have thought that it would have gone higher than that. But it doesn't. So. Anything else on the MacBook Pros? I'm excited. I think it's a good machine. Or how excited are you, Stephen? <laughs> I uh, so I have the 2019. I have the last probably 15.4 inch MacBook Pro, mm-hmm. and I'm not I'm not going to upgrade it. It's three months old. It is 
covered in stickers, like an obscene amount of stickers. And stickers come off. That's true. I know you know that, but mm-hmm. it's also my secondary machine. You know, my, my iMac Pro is what I use every day. I have the i9. It's plenty powerful when I need it on the road. And uh, so I'm going to hold on to this, I think, for, for a long time. And because it's the last you one. going to the Apple Store anytime soon? No. I was there last night to return the AirPods. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, old MacBook Pros were out. There was, there was a, a lady buying a 15-inch MacBook Pro. And I wanted to be like, hey, the new one may be coming. Rumors seem to say that it's coming. But I didn't intervene. She's in over time periods. So it's fine. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to be that that weirdo telling somebody not to buy something. Yeah, so I'm gonna hold on to the 15 inch, and because it's the last one, I'll use it, and then it will be ushered into my collection uh, because it's the final 15 inch MacBook Pro, a size that we've known for a really long time. Now it's gone. That's uh, that's kind of weird. Goodbye, old friend. Goodbye. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Hrefs. Whether you work for a big brand or maybe you own a small business like we do, or you do freelance work. Getting traffic to your website, understanding how it gets there, understanding what your competitors are doing, that's, that stuff is always a challenge. Ahrefs is the all-in-one SEO tool set that solves those problems. It gives you the tools you need to rank your website at Google and get tons of search traffic. SEO is like a black box of mystery to me, but Ahrefs does a really good job at breaking down what's going on with really helpful tools like charts and graphs and really good search tools so you can understand where your traffic's coming from, understanding how your competitors are doing, understanding what AdWords are popular in your area of business. And it's all laid out in a way that's easy to understand and easy to make decisions on. So you're not just staring at, a, <laughs> at an analytics page, scratching your head. They give you real actionable information. Ahrefs uncovers how your competitors are getting traffic and why. You can see the pages and content that send them the most traffic, and you get estimated search volumes with their Keywords Explorer tool. So you can see how well a piece of content is likely to perform before you write it. Ahrefs is home to a ton of useful tools like Content Explorer, which can help you find guest blogging opportunities, and Rank Tracker, which lets you track your progress on keywords. So take the mystery out of SEO. Go to ahrefs.com right now. That's A hrefs.com sign up for their seven-day trial for just seven dollars get reports on your website see what's performing well and figure out your next move whether you have a personal site you want to get a following on or your company needs more traffic to convert into sales go there now hrefs.com get that seven dollar seven-day trial our thanks to hrefs for their support of connected and all of relay fm there was also some news about the the Mac Pro. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Mm-hmm. I do. I think about it all the time. It is coming in December. Apple confirmed that to members of the press this week, just like the iMac Pro did two years ago, which I think is what we predicted on the show, that it would be the very end of the year. Yep. There's some small news on this. Uh, four terabyte SSD was the max before. Now it will be eight to match the new MacBook Pro. And they've made some tweaks to the afterburner card. That is the the optional card made for offloading uh, video processing to take it off the CPU and GPU. When Apple showed it off this summer, it was three streams of 8K video is what the afterburner could handle. That at the time seemed like magic. I got to see it in the demos and it was just (laughs) unbelievable to see 8K video playing and you go to activity monitor and the CPU is just hanging out, like (laughs) not breaking a sweat. Well, three wasn't enough and it turns out it's actually going to be able to do six streams of 8K video now, which is mm-hmm. 
bananas. Like I cannot wrap my head around this, how they're able to double its its capacity. It is an option. We don't know how much that option is going to cost. We don't know how, how much anything is going to cost. We don't know when it's going to come out, but it is coming soon. So uh, by the end of the year, uh, we will know much more about the Mac Pro. And that is very exciting. Of course, uh, there was no display, no cheaper display. Nope. Um, and the Pro Display XDR got mentioned during all of the press stuff uh, because the MacBook Pro can drive two of them, That's which is wild. So you can hook up a $2,800 laptop to two $6,000 displays. Yep, which seems about right economically. I think that's how that works. Um, it's called. I'm intrigued uh, to see economies of scale. Exactly. I'm intrigued to see what these MacBook Pro updates will do to the pricing configurations of the Mac Pro, um, because to say like they've made some pricing configuration options available for this Pro product, which are cheaper than we would have expected, and I'm keen mm-hmm. to see because like the expectation is the Mac Pro will be astronomical. Right, if you want to do anything to it price wise, I'm keen to see what actually ends up happening there. I, I think the SSD pricing coming down, I would imagine the Mac Pro will match it. I don't know why yes. it wouldn't. It'd be wild if it didn't, right? Because you'd assume they're probably using the same same stuff. Yeah, the RAM I think will probably be a little more on the MacBook Pro because it's EEC RAM and you know fancier, faster desktop, full size DIMMs. Okay, but but I don't know. I, I I think you're right. I think the Mac Pro. It's going to be expensive. Look, the base machine is is expensive and not as good as the iMac Pro spec-wise. So even to match the iMac Pro, before you buy a display, I mean, it's going to be thousands. And uh, But I think the high end will be – it's still going to be ridiculous, but I think it's going to be slightly less ridiculous if you want to – if you just want to build like a machine to match the iMac Pro, right? You want the same amount of RAM, the same storage. I think it's going to be better than people fear, but um, – you know, I'm still burying my money in the backyard for when the day comes, mm-hmm. so to speak. Don't dig up my yard, please. <laughs> There's definitely no money in the yard. There's definitely no money in the yard. Mike, can you tell us about the AR glasses situation? Yeah, wild report from the information, which the information as a website name sounds strange when you say it out loud like it's an oracle. Uh, oh, like yeah. The oh, information yeah. has reported, but the website, the information... Uh, has reported that Apple recently held a meeting of over 1,000 employees detailing their AR and VR roadmap for the next few years. This meeting was run by Mike Rockwell, who runs Apple's AR and VR teams. You may remember him from being on the talk show a couple of years ago at WWDC. Oh, yeah. That was that guy. Apparently, uh, so the 1,000 employees, it's not just like a random assortment of people. That's how many people Apple apparently has working on their AR VR efforts. Um, I assume they are not dedicated employees. I would assume that they are employees who have a hand in this as part of their role. That would be my personal assumption because a thousand people seems like a lot of people. Uh, so I would expect that there are like people that work on this software and this software who are involved in AR or VR, right? Like, for example, engineers who work on metal are probably involved in this, but it's Definitely. not what they do, right? So this roadmap, had two major points on it. In 2022, Apple is planning to release a mixed reality headset. Mixed reality headset is kind of like HoloLens. So it is a headset that could be used for a combination of AR, VR-like stuff. Um, So you could use it for both things, effectively. Uh, There's a bunch of technological ways in which you could, like, 
you can have visors which will allow you to watch just video, for example. Or you could have it so you could look around a room and like see things around a room. With AR glasses coming in 2023, the mixed reality headset would be kind of like these HoloLens, Oculus-type devices. Uh, you would expect it to be kind of like the devices now, like the Oculus devices. I think it's the Quest, which is the one which doesn't need to be hooked into a PC to work. Mm-hmm. Apple apparently believed that AR glasses could replace iPhones in roughly a decade. Very weird thing to think about. I think, and say. Uh, one interesting tidbit about the way the glasses would work is like, so let's imagine that me and Federico are having a conversation and he gets bored and starts checking Twitter on his glasses. The lenses in his glasses would darken, which would show that they were being used, which is both weird, cool. I don't know how I feel about it. I, I don't like the sign of that. It sounds... No, but it's like, sort of I would want to know if you wasn't paying attention to me though, right? Like the reason they're doing this is to try and stop the social like awkwardness of of it all. But yeah, but are they gonna? I don't know. It's like the whole premise of oh yeah, I'm in front of you, but let me check out of this conversation and and read my email through my eyes. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't, want, I don't want to sound like that guy. But maybe this is a bridge maybe too it is. far. Maybe you it know, is. Like, Let's pause that for a second. There's a bit more detail, and I want to come back to that mm. point. So. This mm. meeting, I can only assume Apple knew that it would get out. A thousand people's too many people. Uh, I wonder if potentially this is part of the plan because rumors were heating up about 2020 being the year of AR, and clearly Apple are not ready for 2020 on this. On the like to to have an AR focused product. I'm not saying this is the reason they held this meeting, but I'm sure it was a nice uh, secondary reason to have it. Right, like you can kind of get the message out a little bit. Uh, Bloomberg then had a report, so Mark Gurman at Bloomberg uh, had a report saying that the iPad Pro, we've heard this stuff before, will feature a 3D camera for enhanced AR technology. This is previously rumored as being something for 2020 Mm -hmm. iPhones. Gurman also now revises previous AR claims that coincide with what the information reported, saying that Apple had changed plans to shift from 2020 to 2022, states that the headset will focus on gaming, video, and virtual meetings before the AR glasses, which would then, in theory be enough to i mean you know you'd kind of expect that they would launch kind of like how the apple watch launched in regards to what they will be used for and how much they can do but apple seemed to believe that this could be the future of everything uh so i've been thinking about this and i think there's a at least for me so the the way that i that i look at this i was more excited about the uh, the future you know imagining this future where everybody uh, super fast access to the internet through glasses, right? And so you have content, you have directions, you have this UI that overlays with the real world. I was more excited about this until maybe last year because I feel like over the last year, things have really gone dark in terms of like the internet's effects uh, on people. And I feel like, at least for me, there's a correlation between all the terrible things that I've heard and seen like social media and Facebook and you know the convergence of tech and politics like all these things that have happened have sort of like dampened my my excitement in terms of like yeah I'm not sure I want Twitter in front of my eyes or like do you want to be constantly strapped in 
Yeah, I, I'm not no. sure I want to anymore. Like, I was more excited about this until, yeah, maybe last year, maybe a couple of years ago. Like, in thinking about this, I don't feel right now, you know, a couple of years before, we've been here, the three of us, before we were doing a show before the Apple Watch. We were doing a show while the Apple Watch was a rumor and a couple of years out. And I'm not, at this moment, so two years, three years before this potential release of the Apple Glasses, I am not as excited like I was for the Apple Watch two to three years before yep. it came out. Because the whole idea of, like, I'm trying to use the internet less. I don't want to have it in front of my eyes all the time. And so I think the I problem know. is in this idea of it becoming the device that becomes your device, which is the thing that makes it the most uncomfortable. If we're thinking about this as right? a because I can't put exactly, down my phone. I can't put down what's especially me as a glasses wearer, so this would replace my vision <laughs> exactly, glasses, exactly. right? Like I have no way of easily getting mm-hmm. away from them. Like it seems like a peculiar <laughs> like the idea of this being a <laughs> I would be without the internet um, <laughs> and blind. Great. <laughs> this is a perfect mixture. <laughs> like as the idea of this being a device like the Apple Watch, which you use in certain circumstances, has certain functions for you. Interesting. As being the main device, more concerning, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. takes the yeah. problem with the Apple Watch, where it is still at times inappropriate to look at your watch. I, so I had the situation just the other day. Yeah. I was with one of my parents, and uh, I got a text message something. I was wearing my Apple Watch, and I looked down at it, and like oh do you need to go i was like oh no 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 like i got a text message and then i just sound like a jerk right like mm-hmm. the apple watch shows some of those those yeah. contextual problems glasses i think make it worse because t- take the it dims when you look at the screen out like that crazy idea off the table you could have no idea if someone's paying attention to you or not like the, like the other person has problems too I agree with what you said Federico i don't want the internet like that close to me but it's also things like notifications and all the stuff the Apple Watch mm-hmm. does, where sometimes I want to take my Apple Watch off and I don't wear it every day, and there are times where I, I don't need it to do its thing. Like glasses is like amplifies all of that in a way that I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with. Yep. And also, like, mm. isn't the point yeah. of this so you can mm. look at people and get information about them? Like, isn't that the point of this technology? Like, really, isn't doesn't that why it's yeah. supposed to exist? And, like, and and the more you think about it, the more you start running into the same issues that Google yeah. faced years mm-hmm. ago with the Google Glass product. Like, and then you got to think about like putting on some kind of LED indicator if you're taking pictures or videos of somebody and it just mm-hmm. becomes awkward. And it, there's just this weird disconnect between like the same company that makes screen time and is, you know, Praising the idea of trying to use phones less and the internet less and keeping an eye on your usage habits is also working on glasses that you can put on on your literally on your face. I, I don't know, like is it the same company is like preaching two different ideas here? And yes, we don't know exactly what the product is like. Maybe it has some very specific applications. And so you can make the argument that, oh, but you, you know, you're only going to use the glasses when you're checking out directions or if you really got to respond to a message. But the problem is you got to remember that humans are very bad at practicing mm-hmm. restraint. <laughs> 
And so the moment that you put on the glasses, like you're going to use sure. them all the time and you're going to have these people uh, yep. like in, you know, like in, in the movie, The Matrix, like they're plugged in and they're like checked out. They're gone. They're looking at their feeds and their emails. If you put Twitter on my face, I am constantly reading Twitter. That's what's happening to me. <laughs> Exactly. Like, I, I can't control myself. I'm not a robot. I'm a human. And you give me the temptation, I want the temptation. And so, I don't know, man. It's, it, dystopian is an adjective that's overused. Um, but it does feel like that. Like, I don't know. The idea that the, the, the lens is darkened? Like, oh my God, what is that? <laughs> no. That might not be the thing. But, like, I I agree with what they're attempting to do. Mm there right which is like it's like you said about um you should have an led indicator from taking a, a picture right like yes. that's that's the type of thing that they are trying to do right so it's it's in a way it is apple's attempt to discourage you from using this technology when you should be having human interactions like that's all well and good but that's not how people work let me yeah, but you know what? What you know what, what the solution could be? Just don't make the glasses. Like, if you gotta think about, but what else are they gonna do? I don't know. Make make, make a car. <laughs> why can't this? Why can't these companies just for once just keep doing what they're doing? Because that's not how com- companies work well, anymore. Yeah, right. Like uh, everybody has to do everything. Yes, this was a this was a great little soundbite that was on ATP a couple of weeks ago, and it, it is just a great way to put it. Why do all companies feel like they have to do everything now? That is where we are. I mean, and the reason is because that's what technology companies have to do now. You don't have a choice, right? Like if you want to be on the stock market, like that's where you are now, right? Like if you want to have a profitable company on the stock on the stock exchange, you need to be in every area. Mm-hmm. Plus, all companies want to yeah. lock you in forever. They want to get more average revenue per user, right? Like it's this is how you do it is by you provide people with literally everything they could possibly want. It's the only way you get people to stay um, is the thinking. And mm. this is the next frontier, right? Like I talk about foldable phones, right? That's what I talk about a bunch. And it's the same principle that I use for foldable phones. It's really the only thing that these companies can focus on because no one's had the iPhone idea. So mm-hmm. you have two areas now. You can work on screens that change in size, foldable technology, or you work on ARVR. Like these are the areas of technology that exist within our immediate grasp because nobody's had any revelatory breakthrough. So this is what people are working on, at least working on with any public kind of eye on them. Because these are the areas of technology that need that are going to be explored over the next few years, whether they work or not. But like this is why, right? Like Snapchat's still working on their spectacles and they have more that they're working on. Facebook's working on stuff like this, Google's working on stuff like this. Like this is what technology companies are making. Let me ask you guys this. You brought up Google mm-hmm. Glass a second ago, and my impression is that that hurt Google's brand for a while. That people mm-hmm. Maybe who didn't think Google was creepy before thought Google was creepy afterwards because the, the the Google Glass situation just went so poorly for them. Part of that was the technology. Part of that was the customer base and some terrible things people did with them. Do you think that Apple risks the same brand damage by releasing something like these glasses? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Because it is an inherently complicated and difficult thing to do. This is a an area that could have genuine interesting use cases, but you are bridging some real social norms. We've done it before, mm-hmm. you know, 
like smartphones became a thing, it broke all social convention and we started again, right? Over the span of like a couple of years, we changed everything about how we live our daily lives because these devices, like I was just thinking about it a couple of days ago, like uh, me and Adina were both editing, we're just hanging out together and we're editing photos on our phones uh, to post on Instagram. And this is like a thing that we like to do. We do it at the same time. We just, you know, we enjoy it. That is a super weird thing to do because we are together, but not together. We're doing this like solitary thing on our own devices, right? Like mm-hmm. based on some other conventions, we are being antisocial, but we don't see it that way. You know, it's like phone time. And we accept this. People accept this because that is where we are now because we changed our social conventions. It mm-hmm. is possible we could do that again, but I don't see right now with everything that we could conceive that this product could be good enough to make us do it. The reason it happened is because the iPhone was so good from day one. It blew our minds, mm. right? Because it was so good. It made it worth it. And to do that again is a very, very difficult thing. It is a once-in-a-generation type thing, mm. right? It's happened like two or three times in technology history, you know, like recent technology history, right? Like, luckily, Apple's been there pretty much every time for this, mm-hmm. but it is a very, very difficult thing to do. You know, like, one other example I might give is, like, the Game Boy as another one, right? Where, like, it became fine because the Game Boy, the way you play the Game Boy is kind of like the way you use an iPhone, right? And like that was like perfectly acceptable because the Game Boy was a great piece of technology. But like it is a very difficult thing to to do this to change the way that people interact with other people and technology in their lives. It doesn't happen very often, and we weren't ready for it with Google Glass, so it got laughed away. There is absolutely nothing to say right now that the any AR glasses from any company could be the thing to really to really hit a home run. And it feels like it is a harder technology problem to solve than the iPhone was. Hmm. Let me ask you this. Do you guys listen to music or podcasts wearing AirPods or headphones while you're at home and your wife or friends or kids are also home? Yes. Yes. Hmm. I don't. Okay. We very frequently want to listen to podcasts at the same time at home while doing house-related stuff, and we choose to listen to different things. So AirPods is the easiest way to do that, right? That's why. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Silver doesn't listen to podcasts. But also, like, we have this thing that, like, we listen to music together, and uh, both of us, I guess... We find that we find it kind of rude if, if you know, we're, we have some time together and one of us decides to mm-hmm. listen to something on their own. And so that's kind of like I see mm-hmm. the glasses. Mm-hmm. If, like, even more, like, we even try, I, I generally make an effort not to check Twitter or work, like, use my phone as little as possible while I have time with Sylvia. Like, it's just a thing that I've been doing for the past couple of years, really. So I don't know, maybe I come at this from a slightly different perspective because I, I do believe that, yes, I know that it's the norm for people to hang out and just be on their phones. I think it's totally weird and wrong, personally. Well, I would just clarify for me, when we do it, it's like a choice that we've made, right? 
like we're we're gonna do this sure, now as sure. opposed to I, like, it, sure. it, it, we try our best at home to not allow for the mindless picking up a, of a device when we're spending time together, mm-hmm. right? And that was something that I used to do more and have want like you have wanted to make those types of changes into the way that I'm spending time with my family, but there is a time where we would be like all right let's let's we both want to edit photos right so why don't we just do that now this is like a joint activity but we're using our devices in a solo way but like if we're watching tv i'm not picking up my phone and and reading twitter right right yes exactly and it does get way Mm -hmm. harder surely if these devices are strapped to our faces surely yeah yeah but so here's the other thing right so I, i how do we interact with them how do you interact Siri, with... Siri, baby. Yeah, but like, isn't Siri that even worse? Everyone's just talking to themselves all the time? You know the Apple Watch has the little scribble keyboard, so you can like route the letters? <laughs> oh, God. What if you did that, but with, with where your with eyes your are looking? Eyes. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, everyone would have a migraine instantly, so it's not a perfect solution, but it's pretty good. Like, you know. You've got to assume that there's some kind of eye tracking in this technology eventually, right? Gotta, gotta be. Right? Like, it has to be. Again, isn't that like a really uncomfortable thought? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. Very much. I don't know where we're going to go with this. It is a new frontier. I, re- I just, I understand like that everybody's doing it. I just, I, I struggle to understand if it's really necessary. Like, do we, but do we absolutely Is this the old, is this the thing that makes I, us uh, old in, men? Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. See, that's also that's also that's also mm-hmm. my my problem. Like, I have these thoughts, and then I think about these thoughts, and I have other thoughts, including <laughs> am I becoming, you know, a okay. boomer, <laughs> as they would say. <laughs> uh, like, I don't want to be, you know, the old guy, and I'm in my thirties. Like, I'm not an old person, uh, at least by my standards. Mm. Uh, I don't want to be the old person with the Mac blog. I'm, I'm gonna talk about the iPad forever. No, I don't want to be that guy but also like glasses like oh, i don't know i don't know i'm trying to use my phone less and you're pitching a device that that's how you use your like phone that. less <laughs> you know i don't know if you use the yeah, phone but the apple watch didn't make anyone use their phone less no. i don't think not really no because it's not See, it's like I, a two-handed device like whatever but i also want to say i would totally buy an apple vr yes gaming device like mm-hmm. a dedicated thing that I want. It's just it's it's the idea that this is gonna replace the phone. Well, because the a mixed reality device is not that different to any device that you currently have. You are making the decision to use it at that time, right? You are you are putting the device on, you're using it for a period of time, you take the device off. Like you pick the device up, you use it for a period of time, you put the device down. Right. But it is it is closer to the Apple Watch, right? Like you are taking this device, you're putting it on your body, and you're allowing it to interact with you, right? It's that, but mm-hmm. like turned up to 11 because mm-hmm. now you're, you're seeing it. It's in your eyes. It is literally shooting this content into your eyeballs. <laughs> yes. Right? <laughs> yes. It's like, yes, you can still make a decision, but it's very hard to make a decision when you have content in front of your, yeah. you know, eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, like, I can decide not to look at my phone. I can decide not to look at my wrist. But man, my you can't not look at right your eyes. Like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Close my eyes? Like, I don't know. I don't think y'all are oh, doctors. Man, I don't know. Okay. Mm. Well, 
I assume we're only going to talk about this more and more as time goes on, mm-hmm. because this certainly seems real at this point. But at least we can take a break now. It's not 2020, right? 2022. So it's not next year. If I could want to take a break right now, Ooh. I'm going to tell you about Eero, our third sponsor. You probably binge watch favorite TV shows, right? Like, I mean, just in the last couple of weeks, we've had Disney Plus and Apple TV Plus launch. So you're probably doing that, you're catching up on stuff, and you want to be able to do it from anywhere in your house without any interruption, without buffering. And that's why you need Eero, because Eero blankets your whole home in fast, reliable Wi-Fi, eliminating poor coverage, dead spots, and buffering, so you can have consistently strong signal wherever you need it. I've talked about Eero in my house in these ads for years, but I've also set up Eero in my family's houses. So my mom has this big two-story house out in the country, and it's an older house. You know, we've all been in older houses where like, the Wi-Fi doesn't travel as well. And it just wasn't working with what her ISP had given her. So we picked up a set of Eero base stations. And it's great. You can wander around her house. You can be out in the yard. And you can stay on Wi-Fi. It means that her phone, her laptop, her security cameras, everything has nice, consistent signal uh, across the whole, the whole house. Eero, in short, is the Wi-Fi that your home deserves. And there's an all-new Eero starting at just $99. It sets up in just a few minutes. You plug it straight into your modem or your router, and you're good to go. You manage it all from a super simple uh, iOS app. I keep it on my iPhone. It's great to go in and make changes and see what's going on. You can do cool stuff like pause the Wi-Fi while everyone's eating dinner, get alerts if any devices try to join your network, and so much more. Eero has fixed all of my Wi-Fi problems. No more dead spots, no more buffering. You can get your Wi-Fi fixed as soon as tomorrow. Just go to eero.com slash weirdfish and enter the code weirdfish at checkout to get free overnight shipping with your order. That's eero.com slash weirdfish to get your Eero delivered with free overnight shipping. I just have to say it one more time because it's a great URL. Eero.com slash weirdfish. Our thanks to Eero for their support of this show and Relay FM. Still can't believe uh, I was able to convince them. <laughs> it's it's maybe the best thing you've 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 ever done. <laughs> good good luck trying to convince them on Ash Earn yeah. for next year. Oh, Sip yeah. of Granddad. Sip of Granddad. That one's going to be a lot more complicated <laughs> and might require some legal documentation. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a real, real situation. All right, Federico, you have written about this new iOS app called Toolbox Pro. I've been playing with it some. This thing seems incredible. What's the deal? Okay, so the idea is that this is an app that you buy from, that you download for free from the App Store. It's got a $6 in-app purchase. Most of the features you can use for free, some of them require the premium purchase. And it is an app, but it's really a, uh, a collection of actions for shortcuts. So the idea is that with Toolbox, you can extend uh, the Shortcuts app. And this is possible thanks to parameters in iOS 13, the new Shortcuts features that allow you to run many of these actions completely inside Shortcuts without ever leaving Shortcuts. You just customize them with parameters. And it's made by an indie um, developer, uh, Alex Hay. And he had this idea of like, thanks to parameters, uh, it is possible for actions from third-party apps to effectively become native shortcuts features. Uh, you don't have to leave the shortcuts app. You don't have to use URL schemes or X callback or that kind of stuff. And so the idea would be Toolbox takes a lot of existing 
system frameworks, like frameworks that Apple itself makes that are not yet integrated with shortcuts. And Toolbox has actions that bring those features to shortcuts. So stuff like uh, performing OCR on documents or images or scanning documents with the system, with the system document scanner or even, and this is quite funny actually, uh, Shortcuts has reminders integration, but it's limited. And I believe that Shortcuts has the same reminders actions that Workflow launched years ago. Like Apple never updated them. They didn't update them for iOS 13. And they even didn't update them for like basic features that existed before, well before iOS 13, like marking a reminder as complete <laughs> or editing an existing reminder. Like that's a basic feature. Workflow didn't have it. Shortcuts doesn't have it. Uh, Toolbox Pro has better reminders actions than Apple's own actions. How? <laughs> See, that's the thing. There's a there's a disconnect between the frameworks and the and the APIs that Apple makes available to developers and the actions that you see in shortcuts. And the idea, like the idea would be that thanks to parameters, more teams at Apple can now make proper actions for their apps. So in theory, the notes team, the reminders team, they could support all of these features. They could just go out and use the parameters API and make new actions. Mm. But that hasn't happened yet. And so this developer said, okay, with the AP, with the with the reminders API, uh, the framework is called, I believe, Event Kit. I can edit an existing reminder. I can create a new reminders list, or you know, I can let you modify reminders. Uh, I'm gonna make it an action, and Toolbox Pro has better reminders actions than Apple. But also, there's um, so there's two main ideas about Toolbox Pro. One of them is. Um, making better system actions or new system actions because Apple hasn't released them yet. But also this idea of taking um, machine learning features and frameworks like CoreML or Vision. Uh, I uh, I had a joke in my iOS 13 review uh, that Vision is the hottest uh, API in uh, in iOS 13. It's it was based on a Saturday Night Live uh, skit. Um, but really, Vision does everything. Like, Vision has OCR, Vision has object detection in images, as people detection, animal detection. And many of these features are available as actions through to- Toolbox Pro. So, like, you can detect, you can detect uh, objects in photos, and so you can put together shortcuts that do, like, um, get my latest 50 photos and show me a list of all the photos that contain mm-hmm. pasta or pizza. Like you can make a you can make a pizza Instagram workflow. Like seriously, that gives you a list of the latest food pics you've taken. Um, you can have actions that detect like um, areas of interest of an image, and so in theory you can make like a thumbnail generation script to crop an image where it's the most interesting according to the machine learning framework. All of these things are native Apple-made frameworks and features, but Shortcuts doesn't use them yet. But thanks to parameters, third-party developers can come in and say, I'm going to take those features and make them available to users as actions. Which I think is it's a genius idea. Could be easily Sherlocked, of course, um, but 
will it though? And that's that's sort of my takeaway from the mm-hmm. conclusion. Like these are season features. Apple could make the same actions, make them even better because they're you know it's Apple can they can use some secret or private APIs, but will they? Because so far they like. And I guess this is a bigger conversation about like what's going to happen to shortcuts. Uh, in iOS 13, we've seen a re- uh, redesign of shortcuts. They have the new editor, they have the natural language editor and all that stuff. But there's so many more power user features that are still not here. And so I got to wonder, like the first year of shortcuts at Apple in iOS 12, we got the rebrand. The second year, we got parameters and the redesign. Next year, third year at Apple, will they finally address all the the feature requests that pro users have been asking for? So like more controls in the editor, more ways to run shortcuts. What's gonna happen next? And so in this in this landscape, it's it's interesting to see these utilities like Toolbox Pro, and there's a bunch also coming that are sort of building an ecosystem around shortcuts. It's definitely something worth keeping an eye on. But that's basically what Toolbox is doing, is um, giving uh, shortcuts power users or just, uh, you know, folks who use shortcuts a lot, uh, more actions that feel like native actions because that's actually what they are. They are native actions made possible by iOS 13. I feel like I'm confused, though, because, like, what does mm. it do? Like, what can it do? <laughs> Well, there's a, so there's a. This is a good, great question, actually. There's a when you download the app, there's a there's a, a an examples mm-hmm. um, section. So you can go in there, and there's like dozens of shortcuts made by the developer that give you an idea. I focused on four areas in my review. So um, the reminders actions are great. Uh, you can. Edit reminders, which is the main feature, I guess you can. Uh, I made a bunch of uh, shortcuts that let you like reschedule multiple reminders at once, uh, or move reminders between lists, or like remove due dates from reminders. You can do all kinds of modifications to existing reminders. The OCR, OCR stuff is also great. Uh, you can uh, scan documents or extract text from Im- from images from documents. These are things that people download dedicated apps for on the App Store. Now you can build a shortcut for that uh, with Toolbox. Um, and they also, uh, like the app has a lot of, and this is why in the, in the article I said this is for power users. It's got a lot of sort of quality of life improvements. If you use shortcuts a lot, it's got all these actions that remove a lot of friction from building shortcuts. So like it's got actions to create rich menus which are super nice to look at. They got, like, you you can have a menu, like a list of options, that it's not just a plain list of text. You can have icons based on SF symbols. You can have colors. You can have subtitles. Um, You have actions to modify dictionaries. You have actions to um, uh, not having to write regular expressions. So, like, if you want to do more advanced find and replace in shortcuts, eventually you gotta use rejects if you just use the Apple actions, and Toolbox gives you a lot of options that are just visual uh, that allow you to do a lot of like trimming text or matching text between certain words, like stuff that you would normally have to write regular expressions for. 
they're just provided as a single step. It's taking some of the more complicated things that shortcuts can do and mm -hmm. basically wrapping them up yes. into actions that somebody like me yes. can just drop into a shortcut to cut out a bunch of work. Yes. Okay. Exactly. That makes more sense. Yes. And also it's got and it's got features uh as I mentioned like um on the on on Mac stories um stuff like global variables. So uh the idea that you can create your own um database of things like in shortcuts usually a variable is uh, a variable only lasts as long as you're running a shortcut. And instead, uh, Toolbox lets you create global variables that persist across multiple shortcuts that are synced with iCloud across all, all of your devices. And so I built, for example, a shortcut that lets me track the video games that I'm playing. Um, it's, it's very nice. Uh, it's just this idea of you don't have to create your own JSON database, you know, that you know, stuff that I've been doing manually in shortcuts, uh, Toolbox gives you a native uh, visual option that's super nice to look at. And um, it's definitely for power users. Like if you just use shortcuts casually and you never create shortcuts, this is not for you. But if you spend a lot of time in shortcuts, either creating shortcuts or running them, you probably have a use for this. Um, and if anything, I would suggest that people check it out uh, because it's free. Uh, many of the actions are free, and I believe the uh, what I think it's the most impressive action of all the the preview action is free to use, and the preview action is kind of wild. It's a uh, it lets you preview content. Uh, it's like fancy quick look, you could call it. <laughs> uh, it lets you preview multiple things at once. So like you can you can send the text and an image and a link together. And it'll figure it out and it'll show you all items on a single page. And what is wild about this is that on the user's end, it looks like um, sort of like Markdown. It's got a simple syntax. You can have like bigger text or smaller text or images and links. But actually, it is a, basically a wrapper for SwiftUI. So behind the scenes, the, the custom preview is all based on SwiftUI. And so it's responsive by default. It's, it supports dark mode by default. And it's this idea that I think Jason Snell mentioned this before on Upgrade a few weeks ago. Uh, the idea of like maybe in the future you will be able to actually run SwiftUI code in shortcuts and build your own little interfaces. And this is sort of like that, but it goes through Toolbox. Mm. So it's, really, it's got a bunch of things for power users. If you use shortcuts a lot, you should check it out. This is my takeaway. It's very fascinating. It reminds it's very me a little bit of editorial. Mm. Like those, those what you're showing in the review, like those pages you were talking about where it shows you these like kind of bare bonesy yes. pages where it's got a bunch of links. Like it just reminds me of the way that you used to do all those crazy things of editorial where you'd look at App Store pages or whatever. It reminds me of that. Right. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. And, and you think it's, you think, that it's safe to like really get wrapped up in this app. I mean, I guess if Apple sure locked hmm. some of the features, that's fine. But like this sort of thing is kosher with how Apple wants to operate. So that that's a uh, also a great question. Um, I think it should be safe. It's all using. It's not using any private APIs. It's all, which is also the the main selling point. It's all based on the parameter um, framework that 
that's open to developers. Everybody can use it. Um, personally speaking, I have made 10 shortcuts uh, for the site that you can download today based on Toolbox Pro. There's uh, seven more advanced ones that, I'm, that I will be releasing for club members this Friday. But I will try for, because I run the, the you know, the Mac Stories Shortcuts Archive, I will try not to use Toolbox Pro actions all the time because you know what my stance on dependencies is like in general I try to keep my in this case like my code as clean as possible like I don't want to be in a situation where all the shortcuts that you find on Mac stories require Toolbox Mm -hmm. Pro so in this case I had to make them because I'm reviewing the app but I plan on keeping like when I resume my regular shortcuts coverage, I I will not include Toolbox Pro actions. Uh, I will use them for like for personal use, but the shortcuts that you find on Mac Stories will not require the app because I don't like the idea of you know these shortcuts. As you said, Stephen, uh, maybe someday becoming outdated. You know because maybe the developer doesn't you know maintain two bucks yeah. anymore i mean this sort of thing seems right for apple accidentally kicking it out of the app store later <laughs> always had that fear mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. nerdy tools mm-hmm. maybe that's unfounded yeah. but um and i'm certainly not saying anything about the developer but, no no you i think you have a point it's always a a scary thing mm-hmm. well i think that does it for this week if you want to find show notes for all the stuff we spoke about head on over to the website relay.fm slash connected slash 269 while you're there, you can get in touch with feedback or follow-up via email. Or, of course, you can send that in on Twitter. You can find Mike on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E. Mike is the co-host of a bunch of other shows here on Relay FM. Uh, it's in the show notes. Go check out Upgrade. Uh, that interview is spectacular. You guys really did a good job. Congratulations on that. You should go go check that out if you haven't. You can find Federico on Twitter as Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And his writing, of course, at MacStories.net. You mentioned the club. You guys put a lot of uh, awesome stuff in there. So if you're not a club member over at MacStories, you should go uh, find out more about that. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH and my writing over at 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Pingdom, Hrefs, and Eero. And until next time, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.